This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. I'm Jen. I'm Brian. And I'm Henno. We're three friends that talk about mental health, wellness, and our lives. Through articles and tips, we share what has worked for us on our paths overcoming depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, alcoholism, and addiction. Come join us on our journey. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast. Just search for The Crazy Life. Remember, wiggle your toes and just keep breathing. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Welcome to another episode of Wookiee Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. And joining us on the line as well is the gentleman who wrote the guidebook that the three of us now swear by uh, as the smugglers we are. And that's Daniel Wallace, who um, I guess the hardback edition of Smuggler's Guide just came out, uh, which last year the deluxe edition came out, which I I have not seen the deluxe edition, but I've seen YouTube videos of it and it looks cool. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It was our pleasure. I love the fact that it's the smuggler's guide that is the reason why I can talk to you guys because you appreciate smugglers and that's cool because I do too. That's, that's kind of my, my favorite angle on this. But but yeah, um, uh, for maybe listeners who, who aren't aware, um, the two points I want to make up front is is this is smugglers Star Wars smugglers guide is a sequel. Not it's not a sequel, but it's a continuation in a series that we started in 2010 uh, with uh, Star Wars: The Jedi Path. Um, uh, and the, the concept of the series is that these are books that tell you a little bit about the universe, the Star Wars universe from a defaction, but also that they they appear as if they could exist in universe. Like for the Jedi path, it was like, what if the Jedi had an old textbook and, you know, the previous owners had like scribbled in the margins and so on. And then we did a Sith uh, a version of the same. We did the Imperial Handbook. We did the Bounty Hunters Guide. Uh, we did the Rebel, the Rebel uh, Files. Rebel Files. Uh, and now we're doing um, this one, which is uh, the Smuggler's Guide. So we're, we're trying to cover all the factions. And then the second point I want to make real 
quick was you mentioned that this actually is coming out in September um, as a standalone book from Chronicle Books, but there was actually a, a deluxe edition that came out um, last fall, which has been the tradition for all of these releases. They all have a exclusive deluxe edition uh, that's really more designed for like collectors uh, right. and so on. So um, if somebody is is wants to read the book, uh, you know, pick it up when it when it comes out in September, please. Uh, but if you really uh, are a collector and you like sort of props and things, the uh, the deluxe editions you probably find this one on Amazon is a they all come in case the Smuggler's Guide, for example, comes in a case um, that looks like a a, a lockbox. It's supposed to look like a prop from you know the movies, like it, it could be aboard the Millennium Falcon, oh, cool. and you sort of push it and you open it yeah, up, yeah. and then on on the top, and we figured this out because we wanted it to be kind of like cute or whatever. Like the book that you're reading is supposed to be hidden knowledge about smugglers and and the galaxy, and so you open up. This is the deluxe edition. Uh, you open up the 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 top, and it's like, oh, there's not much in here. Like there's these papers in there. Like there's you know a a, a pilot's license for Han Solo, and there's a bunch of like other official paperwork and just miscellaneous stuff. And then there's a hidden compartment, and then you open the hidden compartment, and that's where the book is, uh, because you know smugglers don't want their secrets getting into other hands. Um, but anyway, that we do we do those things for the deluxe editions. Um, but not everybody can afford them. They tend to be a lot more expensive. Um, and some people just want to read. Uh, you know, they're a lot more about the written word than they are about having a collectible on their shelves. And for people like that, um, that's why we have the standalones. And this is this is the standalone. It's coming out um, really soon. Yeah, I believe September 17th. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we, we were lucky uh, to get an advanced copy. Uh, all three of us each got an advanced copy. And mine doesn't leave my bag. Uh, I've been taking it to work, reading it at work. And you know, first first day, I'm like thumbing through it going, wow, there's a lot of information here. Uh, and then it's like, this is going to be a slow read. And this is going to be a read that I'm going to enjoy reading slow. So <laughs> my my first question is, how how did you go about doing the research or coming up with um, a lot of the info for Smuggler's Guide and even, even the older ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really good question because... Um, because there's more work. I, I, I would say that there's more prep work done in that area than you might think. Um, specifically, um, like I just named all the books earlier, but I think we've done, I've done like six of these at this point um, with all the different factions and so on. But the goal has always been that they're not the same thing always over and over and over and over. Uh, the Jedi path was originally like, wouldn't it be funny if the or funny or cute or in, informative or, or fun if the Jedi had a textbook? Because the Jedi have a a temple and they have, you know, masters and they have uh, Jedi Knights and they have Jedi Padawans and and they have sort of a a structure where you could you could conceive that a a textbook would exist. But then the next book that we did after that was called Book of Sith. Uh, And it was we sat down and we're like, well, well, Sith wouldn't have a textbook. You know, we can't just do a textbook again because, you know, the the Sith are a lot more individualistic. And and then the the concept that, you know, I had come up with uh, in conjunction with my editors was that um, the Book of Sith was actually uh, a one, you know, a unique item. It was uh, it was Emperor Palpatine had um, scoured the galaxy for dark side teachings, and he had he sort of ripped the pages out of each one of these old books, and he had bound them together in a new volume called Book of Sith. And then I still love this about this. And then so I came up with you know yeah, I don't know five or six different. Um, you know, 
know, stories that were that were different. But then the page designers, the designers of the book actually came up with different types of paper. So if you have that book, you'll see that the, the edges and the margins and, and stuff are, are cut differently because to sell the idea that these are all, you know, separate bits that were sort of right. shoved together in one volume. And then it, it went on and on with the bounty hunters. It was like, um, hey, you're a new bounty hunter. Hey, here's what you need to know. And then with the Imperial uh, handbook, it was um, you're a newly minted officer in the Imperial Armed Forces. Um, and here's what you need to know. Uh, and then with a rebel, and I guess I guess where I'm leading to is we kind of had to step it up with the last two books. Um, um, the the all the ones that I mentioned so far were sort of done, um, you know, between 2000 and 2010 and, and 2015, maybe. Right. Um, and then mo- the most recent ones have been the Rebel Files uh, and the Smuggler's Guide, which is what I'm talking about. Um, but those ones, we had sort of a break of a couple of years and then the Disney acquisition happened and, and all these other things happened. Um, and I especially really wanted to make them fresh. Like I really didn't want to go back to the other things, even though it's a new topic and you're not going to cover the same topics in the Rebel Files that you are in the Imperial Handbook. I didn't want it to be a clone of the Imperial Handbook. Like, hey, you're a newly minted Rebel officer. Here's what you need to know. Um, and so the concept for that one, which is really fun, everybody should check it out, <laughs> it was uh, that it was like a scrapbook. Um, it was like a scrapbook of important documents um, and that you, what, what you're holding is sort of an archive of, of the most important um, physical documents uh, that are being archived and recorded by Mon Mothma's assistant. Um, and then there's a story that kind of goes on with that. You know, like if, if you know, if somebody was recording the Declaration of Independence or, or those kind of, you know, the Federalist Papers or those kind of things. So it was kind of like that. And then, um, so with the Smuggler's Guide, it was like, well, what haven't we even done yet? Done all these ideas. And I couldn't figure it out for the longest time. But um, all we knew was, hey, let's do a Smuggler's book. Um, you know, Han Solo, Millennium Falcon, Chewie, Lando, you know, that was literally it. And it was like, well, yeah, but like, what kind of, they're not going to have a textbook, you know, they're not going to have these other things. And so what it ended up becoming was um, sort of a pass along diary. And that's what the Smuggler's Guide is, is it starts off with Maz Kanata because, uh, you know, Maz Kanata in, in the world of Star Wars, she's is very old. Uh, she lived for probably hundreds of years. Um, and she's, uh, you know, has a, a history of, of like being sort of a pirate, you know, a smuggler. And so she's very powerful. So it starts with her and she sort of starts this thing. And then it's almost like she's kind of a mystical character in a way uh, in that she does believe in the force and, and so on. And so she starts to write in this and she's like writing all these things about the underworld. And then she's kind of like, you know what, I'm going to cast this book to the winds. You know, I'm going to give it to somebody and I'm going to see what happens to it. And she gives it to a smuggler and then he starts recording his uh, information in it. And then he dies and it goes to another person and they start recording their information and then it goes to, you know, another person. And it goes on and on. And, and gr- gradually as you're reading it, you realize that you're you're going through the decades. You're going from the prequels uh, to the classic trilogy and then Han's here and then Lando's here. And you're going to um, the sequel trilogy and you're crossing, crossing all these milestones. And um, But there's a through line of people passing this, this book to each other. And some people are really excited to get it because 
they're like, oh, I, I turned to page one and Maz Kanata wrote this, you know, and she has a map in there with like some marks on it. And they're like, oh, if I can decipher this, I'll get rich. And then some people are like, what is this thing? You know, uh, but it's all there. And and uh, so it, it's like you're reading a, um, you know, uh, uh, I would say probably half the people that this book falls into end up dying. But <laughs> yeah, the other the other half uh, uh, presumably are OK. Uh, sounds like we're doomed <laughs> since we have the book. As long as you guys don't write in it, I think you're OK. Perfect. So C-3PO. I've got a bad feeling here. about this. <laughs> we're doomed. No, we're OK. Daniel says we are. Um, now, are, are these books considered canon in any any bit or um I, I would think i would think so i mean um uh the the previous ones the jedi path for example was written in 2010 um so you know technically that was under the the previous canon before right. so there are references in, the, in there to like you know i wrote it uh before the you know what's now called the legends continuity so like i was like hey, the jedi saw you know i i looked at all the you know the sources that were available at the time for the Jedi. So um, so it does sort of reference those things. And so I think technically, you know, that would be considered legends. But I, I, I feel like it's a little bit more like an accident of when it was published as opposed to what's actually in it, because most of the stuff that's in it is not really contradictory with anything. And, and you know, as any Star Wars fan knows, if they're kind of a, in, you know, they've been a fan for a long time and they have a familiarity with the legends continuity, you probably realize that over time, a lot lot of elements just come back into it right. you know like grand right. admiral thrawn or something like that you know it's like oh hey i know who this is and and if you're not familiar with the old continuity that's fine you know you can still appreciate grand admiral thrawn but um a lot of those things come back again um so anyway um i think that the, up to a point the 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 books were published under the previous thing but they it wouldn't take very much to they're, they're pretty you know they're, they're not incompatible with with what we're doing right now uh and uh i I guess more to the point, the Rebel Files and the Smuggler's Guide were published recently. Um, so that was under the Disney publishing continuity. So, okay. you know, in so far as all approved books are considered part of the overall continuity, then yeah, they're ca- they're canon. Okay. So, but what you're saying with with the previous books before Rebel Files, um, since that's the the bridge, um, it wouldn't take much for story group to go. You know, these characters are canon or they would exist and it's okay to draw these books into canon. I, I think that that's totally true and, and I'm not putting words in anybody's mouth. I mean, nobody's told me to like update those things or, or certainly to like grandfather them. Um, I think if we did like do like a new version of the Jedi Path, which is not something I'm working on just to clarify. Um, but if we did do a, ver- a new version of it, we would rewrite it. You know, we wouldn't just take it in wholesale. I'd, I'd take out stuff and I, I'd update stuff and, you know, we'd include all the new movies and so on. Um, so it'd be a new project, but it wouldn't take very much. And, um, you know, a lot of it is, is, is for those reasons there. Like I, I mentioned Grand Admiral Thrawn earlier. And if, if you're an old school fan and you remember the, the Thrawn trilogy of books by Timothy Zahn, you're like, Oh yeah. Hey, here he's coming back in the new continuity. But if you're a new fan and you've only been a Star Wars fan for a number of years, um, you know, you can still appreciate Grand Admiral Thrawn uh, coming back into continuity 
hand. Um, and, I, and I think most people in the story group, um, like they have that same appreciation. They, they like those old characters. Um, for example, uh, in the Smuggler's Guide, um, I was trying to come up with writers who could who could own it. Um, and obviously, you know, like, well, smugglers, who are some famous smugglers? Well, we've got Han Solo. We've got, you know, Lando. Right. Uh, we've got Hondo Onaka from the Clone Wars. Uh, these are all things that make a lot of sense. Uh, and they're all, you know, we've got uh, Maz Kanata. Uh, I had Dexter Jetster in there because, you know, he had a sort of a checkered past before he became a restaurateur. Uh, a lot of a lot of different characters like that. But then there was also this, um, yeah, I was trying to come up with a character um, who would feature in this this middle section. Uh, and I came up, uh, I arrived at Galandro. And Galandro is this character from an old book from, I think, uh, 1979. Uh, Brian Daly's uh, Han Solo's Revenge was the name of this book. Um, and, uh, and he was a gunslinger. And, you know, he was kind of like a um, Clint Eastwood kind of character. Um, and and so technically that character is completely um, legends, you know, like they wiped out the, the previous continuity. But I was like, he feels like he belongs in Star Wars, you know, <laughs> and and uh, and I, I'm pretty sure. But by putting him in here. Um, uh, nobody at Lucasfilm is going to object. In fact, they'll probably give it a, a, a big thumbs up. Um, and they did. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, no, this is good. Yeah, well, go ahead and do that. Um, so I, I think that, you know, my take on the new canon versus the Legends canon, I'm a huge Legends guy. I mean, I really know that stuff. I did the, I wrote the new essential chronology for Pete's sake. You know, I know that all that stuff inside and out, but, but um, 90% of what we consider previous canon is, is is being moved into the new canon. You know, it's, um, you know, whether, well, who makes this type of blaster or what planet does Greedo come from? Um, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is, is there. And, and now we're getting to the point where, well, Grand Admiral Thrawn, hello, yeah. <laughs> Galandro, hello. Um, and, and it's just a little bit of like, you have to do a little bit of finessing around the edges uh, is what it is. So it's not an unfamiliar situation. I feel like it's kind of unique to Star Wars because as fans, We've never gone through a continuity shift on Star Wars, but I'm also a big comic book fan. And as like a DC fan, I've been through like 17 continuity <laughs> shifts. <laughs> I'm so tired of Crisis on Infinite Whatevers. Um, but yeah, it kind of inures you to the the whole thing that, you know, you're like, okay, all right, this is the 17th version of Batman. Just tell me a good Batman story. So so I take it you're disappointed with DC's new announcement of Crisis on the Coffee Table. <laughs> I actually kind of like the fact that, that DC, because another thing, you know what I admire about that? And I know this is a Star Wars podcast, but what I do admire about DC's, um, you know, uh, ballsiness when it comes to rebooting their continuity is they always do it in story. Like even back in like the 60s when they came up with Flash of Two Earths or whatever, like they came up with an in-story, there are parallel universes. And then in the 80s, they came up with Christ and Infinite Earth they have a, a super villain who could who could wipe out universes and and the the cause of that is going to be this publishing company rebooting their comics <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. like, right um and then we, uh, a, a lot of times i think star trek did it too with the movies they kind of did this you go back in time and they had like a split off timeline and stuff it was like yeah damn that's like a dc kind of thing but like when you get mm-hmm. to star wars it's like no nah, we're not gonna do that you know like some some universes kind of do it and some other some ones don't 
but DC is really stuck to it. If you're if you're if you're a diehard person, they've rebooted their timeline like eight or nine times. Um, but technically, there's a reason for each one of the shifts. You know, like the, it's it's a timeline uh, shift or something like that. So yeah. as somebody who kind of like dabbles in that stuff, I'm like, all right, I admire your I admire your commitment to the bit. <laughs> well, going with that for just a second, um, what do you think of the what they've done with Rebirth, where they're trying to actually kind of reconcile some of those old timelines that are still out there, just on a different time? Well, that's always the thing about DC is they were even doing that way back with like Crisis on Infinite Earths was like their 1985 attempt to you know like because the problem with superheroes and and this is not necessarily a problem that, that Star Wars has, but with superheroes is that you introduce the superhero and then time passes, but you don't want to like Peter Parker was introduced in what 1962, so he'd be like you know 70 years old right now well, you're not going to tell a story about a 70 year old Peter Parker he's still going to be young which means that like his old adventures don't make sense anymore because he was talking about the Apollo mission you know and and you have to solve that somehow and like Marvel has always been kind of like yeah we'll just kind of hand wave it we're not really going to worry about it and then DC was like nope we're going to solve it individ- we're going to do the thing and they came up with all these reasons um, and I think that and I kind of like I said earlier I kind of admire that because it's just kind of like all right yeah yeah you're really dedicating yourself to the immersion uh of living in this universe you know um but like you like you were saying um the problem with rebooting is that you get a lot of fans who are like well what about so-and-so you know i I really like this old thing are you going to do it and then inevitably in the rebooted universe you end up doing the same thing again um and maybe it's not as good as the first time that it was done (laughs) like (laughs) like super like superman dying like uh that was done in the comics and then i think they've done it in the rebooted comics and it was done in uh, there's an animated movie that was done and it was done in the Zack Snyder films um, and it's kind of like I don't know you know it's like okay you're going to do the Superman dying and I th- to some degree there's a little bit of that going on in Star Wars um, when you have Grand Admiral Thrawn show up um, it's like oh okay I like that because you kind of know who he is and I like Thrawn a lot um, mm. but I think the risk is um, oh so he's just going to do the same stories and, and do the thing where he you know he he places cloaked asteroids into orbit around Coruscant. And I think that, which Star Wars has avoided, is like, no, 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 we're going to bring the character in, but he's going to do different stuff. Uh, you don't necessarily have to hit the same beats uh, as the old, as the old um, uh, storyline, which I think is smart. Um, you know, I think that's probably the way to, uh, you know, if, if Star Wars is going to go back to Legends and bring in things that are popular, I think the way to keep it kind of fresh um, is to have them do different stuff. Uh, and with comic books, it's just hard to do that because there's just so many iconic right. moments. You know, people are like, well, you got Bane and you got Batman. Like, he's got to break his back again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just got to happen. And you're just waiting for it to happen. You know, like, you can't not do Bane breaking his back. Like, it hasn't happened in the new continuity. When are you guys going to do it? Um, and I don't know. I, I don't think Star Wars has that problem necessarily. Speaking of comics, I loved how you added Dr. Afra into the Smuggler's Guide. I was so happy to do that because she's not really a smuggler but you know she's a fringe character she's a an outlaw and i really really like 
Afra. I, I, I read that comic and I was like, I was really impressed with that comic because I, I you know, I've, I read the Jedi Path. I wrote the Book of Sith. I wrote the Bounty Hunter Code, um, the Imperial Handbook and the Rebel Files and now the Smuggler's Guide. And um, out of all of those like different factions, you know, because occasionally I'll go to San Diego Comic Con or something and I'll be selling these books. You know, I have a table and I'll have a whole bunch of these books out in front of me and people will come by and um, and they'll be like, oh, maybe I'll buy one or whatever. And then usually I end up talking to them a little bit and with very little prompting, somebody who's who's not looking to buy a book, you know, they, they, they like Star Wars, but they're not looking to buy a book for me, um, will, will end up buying one. And the reason why is because it becomes almost a personality quiz <laughs> thing, you know? Like if I had like, you know, if I was selling like, you know, Hufflepuff, Gryffindor, Slytherin and Ravenclaw books, you you'd get people who are like, oh, I'm going to buy this one, but not this one. Uh, and that kind of happens with Star Wars too. Like you get people who buy the Jedi book uh, and you get people who buy the Sith book and they do, want nothing to do with the other books. Or you get people who buy the Bounty Hunter book. Um, and so it's interesting. I, and that's one of the reasons why I think Star Wars is popular because it has so many different factions. Right. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a Jedi. Uh, you don't have to be, you know, uh, a stormtrooper. Um, you know, you have people like uh, Han Solo and Boba Fett who are who are different. You know, they occupy different niche, niches. Um, and so anyway, about Afra was um, that she's this rogue archaeologist from the comic books. Um, and, and she's not a nice person. You know, she is a villain. Uh, I would I would say, you know, in the classical sense, um, you know, she betrays people and, and you know, she's a scam artist and so on. Um, so she it, but it, it's really fun to have a character like that. Like, I think you can you can do a lot with a character like that who's, um, you know, has sort of a, a, a rogue moral compass. Right. Um, so it was the first thing it was a smuggler's guide. And it was like, well, she's not a smuggler, but it's like she hangs out with smugglers. <laughs> you know, she's. She she deals with them. Um, uh, this book was really um, to. It's called the Smuggler's Guide, but it's a, it's it's smugglers, it's scoundrels, uh, you know, it's scoundrels, it's guns for hire, it's it's assassins, it's thugs, it's hired goons who break your knees, it's um, you know, uh, uh, con artists. You know, like Lando isn't so much a smuggler as I feel like he's a con artist. You know, he's a sweet right. talker. You know, he he can trick you. You know almost anything uh it's gamblers you know people who, who blow a lot of money on the casino um and it's all that kind of stuff it's the people who aren't joiners and getting back to that that you know that harry potter analogy you know like um yeah i think most people can kind of like sort themselves into like one of those four houses but um with star wars it's like okay you got all these houses but then you've got kind of the miscellaneous you know it's like the smugglers are just like you know what i don't want to join any of you guys i just want to hang out here and do my own thing and um and that's not a a small contingent of people uh and i i feel like that's where uh the smuggler's guide kind of speaks to that uh segment of fandom which i have a lot of sympathy for by the way you know i i i i, I feel like i tend to be a little bit more of like a, a rogue freelancer than than <laughs> anything you know what i mean right well i i'm a cast member at walt disney world and had the opportunity to go cast previews for galaxy's edge and being there i'm like yep I can see where I'm going to push myself more for scoundrel reputation than I will resistance or first order. And it's, it'd be really easy to do. And it's almost one of those. I want to take the book with me when I go there too and go, here you go. (laughs) 
Yeah, I know. You I'm, I'm a true smuggler. About, about, they should sell the deluxe editions in, in, in Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, if, the trick if, about the, uh, the, the one thing about um, the deluxe editions uh, that I didn't mention earlier, um, you know, if people are, look them up or something like that, is the standalone versions that would, one that you guys have, um, they say Star Wars Smuggler's Guide on the cover because, like, you have to know if you're going to buy it in the bookstore, you have to right. know that it's a Star Wars book. But the deluxe editions say Star Wars on the box. Um, so once you open up the box, there's no Star Wars anywhere. Like once you open up those ones, it just says Smuggler's Guide, which is a lot. Our, our whole idea was like immersion, you know, that there's no logos on it. It doesn't say Star Wars because what would people in right. the Star Wars universe know about Star Wars? They wouldn't know what that was. Um, and so it just it feels like, you know, if you if, it, if the last page is like a has some like mandatory copyright information, but right. it's in like eight, eight point type, you know, like we just try to hide everything so, see, see, um, the, the deluxe yeah. editions would be perfect without the, the star wars logo on it in doc Ondar's. Yeah, that's what i think they should do that you yep. you talk to the powers that be and, and we'll make it happen i really really want to go out to uh galaxy's edge because um uh i've been uh i've been yeah looking at photos of people who take those and and i know there's only the one ride and so on but i'm like i don't really want to go on rides i just want to like hang out there <laughs> so i just want to like yeah. you know, like sit on a bench and just like it just seems so nice oh, to me be- believe me once cast blackouts are lifted um probably once a month on a day off i will be just sitting there going yep i'm gonna have blue milk and just sit here and watch. yeah exactly like you go over to like one of those stands and you order something and you just kind of sit sit down somewhere and you yep. hang out and then like like this watch the sun go down and then like the lighting changes and they like turn out oh, yeah. it just seems so it's so it's fun i really appreciate um craftsmanship um and and that's an area where there's a lot a lot of craftsmanship oh yeah Oh, yeah. uh, not to like, not to like break in on on this uh, smuggler's guide thing with a to promote another project, but I I just recently finished a, a different book. Um, uh, there's a a Netflix series, a new Netflix series coming out based on Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal. Yes, uh, which yes. is yeah, it, which was a movie for a fantasy movie from the nineteen or uh, nineteen eighty two, I think. Uh, which was you know, um, and it, it was entirely with puppets. Yep. It was done entirely with puppetry, uh, and then. Re- Recently, uh, Netflix uh, okayed a, a series that is a continuation of that that was done almost entirely with puppets as well, with a little bit of CGI enhancement here and there. Um, but really, is is primarily a puppet uh, TV series, which is really remarkable in 2019. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, anyway, I, I wrote I wrote the official uh, behind the scenes making of book. For oh, that. Yes, the reason I bring it up is because we were talking about Galaxy's Edge, and I'm like, I really appreciate like the craftsmanship they, they you know they do all these little details tails and there's like a box with like frozen fish in it and like clever stuff like that and and that was the same thing that made me think of that uh the jim henson company uh with this new dark crystal series they it's a similar type of thing like right? you just go the extra mile you know sometimes you meet you people who are really good in their in their field and they're so good that it's not they're they're not just punching the clock they want to like create and they want to go above and beyond right um and you know i think you can see that in star wars i think you see that in galaxy's edge and uh and and i it just 
made me think of that that Dark Crystal series, which um, I can't wait to see the final version of it because I've, I've seen a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and it is amazing. I w- I would definitely say based on your comments and knowing what you've done in the past, because I know I have I'm not sure which version I have, but I have your Essential Guide to Droids. I don't know if it's the I think it's the new one um, in 2013. Um, but I would love to see you do and have Disney and Lucasfilm bring you in to do a essential guide to Black Spire Outpost. Hmm. Not, yeah, that would not be really cool. Edge, yeah. but Black Spire Outpost. I think Outpost. that would be so much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And and I think that could be a lot of fun. I also, because um, like I said, I haven't been there, but I've, I've been looking up all the theming and so on. Um, and I, that's the kind of thing I would love to do. I'm, I'm sure that uh, the story group uh, probably came up with a lot of backstory already that they haven't even released yet. You know, like if I know just from working with them in, in the type of documents that they, they produce and so on. There's probably a lore Bible, you know, for Black Spire yeah. Outpost that we've probably seen like, you know, 15% of it, you know, that there's all this history of, of like, what was this and why was this here? Yeah. And, and, you know, where does this come from? Uh, and those are the kind of things that are really fun to expand upon. Uh, and the other reason that I, I, I'm excited to kind of like, like Galaxy's Edge in, in uh, Disneyland has been open for like two months, you know, like it's right. brand new, right? But um, over the long term, they can like expand it and they can like, you know, do more. And what's kind of cool about having a neutral location like uh, Black Spire Outpost, as opposed to having like Tatooine, is that uh, if they wanted to down the road, they could like change the timeline. You know, like right now, it's kind of like a, a resistance versus first order thing. Right. Um, and it's they, 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 they could do like a, a classic trilogy weekend or, you know, like and yeah. have Darth Vader show up and, and they could do like, uh, you know, they could do, a, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that they could do. And and oh, yeah. uh, that's what the advantage of having like a, a neutral place that feels like Star Wars. And I'm just based on the photos. It looks like it feels like Star Wars. Oh, you know? it, it does. It, it does. Um, one, one of the things that um, a timeline right now for it is sitting between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. So I'm sure in whatever show Bible they have, there's a after December 20th or whatever the release date of Rise of Skywalker, unlock this. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, they're probably a bunch of stuff. Like, if they're going to sell souvenirs or something, they'll probably do that, too. And they'll advance the timeline. Um, and I, I I have no inside information, but I, I would think that once people kind of get acclimated to it, it, it would be fun. You know how they do, like, Halloween re-themes or something like that? It'd yep. be kind of fun if they did, like, a like if they did like a prequel re-theme or whatever for a limited period of time, and they had Darth Maul there. You know, like, they, you could do, like, you could do fun stuff like that. But anyway, I'm... I, I, I'm just speculating, but I think it's very cool to have a immersive um, environment yes. that is Star Wars that, and this is the same philosophy that we, we did, you know, nine years ago when we created the Jedi Path series that is immersive, as in it doesn't have Star Wars logos on everything. Like when you're there and you buy a Coke, it doesn't say Coca-Cola and it has a, like that weird like alien glyph on it and so on. But you know it's Coca-Cola, but it, it you know, and, and um, that's the same kind of 
same idea that we're trying to come up with the with the Jedi Path, like the deluxe edition was. Um, it doesn't have Star Wars logo on it, um, but it feels like it could come from there. Um, and it's just right. trying to trying to complete that sense of uh, immersion, or you're doing a little bit of of you know illusion, I guess. I I will admit with Last Jedi when um, when we see the books, whether it's Luke at the books or Ray at the books, I was looking for a copy of the Jedi Path. I was looking for a very beat up copy of the Jedi Path. See if it was there. <laughs> that would be very cool. Yeah. What they should do is we should like release that whole set. You know, that if we um, we get a publisher to like uh, reproduce all of those books that were seen in that image. Um, you know, recreate the covers and the spines. Yeah. Uh, and then come up with what would be in each one of them. Uh, that would be a big project, but that would be really fun. That that would be a great great thing. So now, how long did it take you to come up with the source material for Smuggler's Guide? Well, like I said, I think I think at the beginning it was uh, coming up with the idea, like, well, who's going to say what, you know, and uh, who's going to p- participate in this in this story? Um, and then I put together an outline, and it was like, what do we think? And then it was kind of like, um, yeah, maybe, but maybe replace this character with another character. Uh, and there was a little bit of back and forth um, with that. But in general, with these, there's not a lot of time to actually write them. You know, it's like I don't know, maybe three or four months or so uh, when you're actually writing it. But that includes like the back and forth. And, and so it ends up being kind of fast. Um, and I would say the, the advantage is that these aren't as long as some of the books that I write in terms of word count. But the disadvantage is um, they actually require a lot of a lot of work because um, I'm trying to, you know, create a, a, you know, an era or a passage or a character accurately. Uh, but I'm also trying to channel it through that character's voice. So if it's, um, you know, Dexter Jetster, you know, I'm trying to uh, think of how he would talk or if it's right. Honda Honda Onaka, you know, he talks differently. Uh, and then sometimes it's, it's original characters like uh, there's like a pirate queen that I had in here. And then there's like a, a, a slave master, you know, who's this bad guy. And then, you know, there's a con artist on Narshada. And the, a lot of the characters are original, but they sort of are, are meant to sort of occupy uh, niches within the the underworld or, you know, I don't know, you know, black marketeers. Um, it's not necessarily all smugglers. I, I think a lot of these, um, these lawbreakers uh, um, kind of all run in the same circles, right. you know, like, like Han, Han runs in the same circles as Jabba the Hutt and, and, and they're not even close to the same character morally, but you know, they, they rub elbows. Now, were you told by story group to stay away from, uh, like the smugglers Alliance? Oh, do you mean like the, from the Thrawn books? Um, the smugglers Alliance in the Timothy Zahn books. Is that, is that which one you mean? Or was that? A no, one? it was a different one. Um, I remember the first reference for Smuggler's Alliance came from like Star Wars Galaxies and they came up with an actual logo in the game for the Alliance. Um, yeah, I wonder if that originated because I'm pretty sure there was a Smuggler's Alliance in like maybe the third Thrawn book, which was uh, The Last Command. Uh-huh. Um, and I wonder if Star Wars Galaxy maybe picked it up from there. 
there. Um, I anyway, um, if if it come if it had occurred to me, you know, to include the Smugglers Alliance, um, I, I you know I think I, I was asked this question um, previously, and I'm trying to remember exactly what I said, but it was it was um, uh, basically here's here's my gist on it was um, you know like I, I said earlier like I included um, uh, Galandro, who is this character from these 1979 uh, Han Solo novel. Right. Uh, and then the different person that I had in the smuggler's guide, um, cause I wanted somebody who was just like, a, you know, kind of like Han, but like not Han. Uh, so I went with, uh, Platt O'Keefe, who is a, a character from a bunch of, um, role-playing guides that were published in like the nineties, back when West End games used to do a Star Wars role-playing guide. I used to buy all those books and there was a, a smuggler and her name was Platt O'Keefe and she was kind of like a smuggler. So I, anyway, I include her, her and I was like, I bet Lucasfilm, uh, the story group will probably like this and they'll let it go through. And they did. Um, when it comes to the Smugglers Alliance, in my mind, because I was thinking of Star Wars Galaxy, in my mind, that, that calls to mind those Thrawn books. And the person who was at the head of the Smugglers Alliance in the Thrawn books was uh, Talon Card. Yep. And Talon Card is like a, a, a pretty significant figure in the um, Legends continuity. And, and anyway, it's a roundabout way to say, I'm pretty sure somebody, you know, when the deluxe edition came out, somebody asked me about, well, why didn't you have Talon Card in the Smuggler's Guide? Like, I know he's from Legends, but it makes so much sense. You know, he's a, he's a big smuggler. And it was like, because he's too important in Legends to for me to introduce him. You know, like, it's okay for me to introduce Platt O'Keefe because she's kind of a, you know, role-playing game character right. or whatever. Uh, but for me, who was doing kind of a tie-in book to introduce Talon Card and then if Timothy Zahn wants to do something else with him and he's like oh hey and they're like oh no sorry this guy already introduced him in this book it, it doesn't work that way you know like that's his character and he's already working with Lucasfilm so it's like you know what I'm just I'm not even going to try I'm just going to uh, do a hands off on a character like gotcha. that. Yeah, he should be in here but he hasn't been introduced to the continuity yet and the person who should introduce him into the continuity is probably Timothy Zahn or whoever Lucasfilm, you know, decides should reintroduce him in the continuity. It's like um, uh, of the uh, the major Thrawn trilogy characters who are all immensely popular. Uh, we have Thrawn, uh, who's already been reintroduced in the Clone, uh, I mean, Star Wars Rebels. Yeah. Uh, we have Talon Card that we were just talking about. And we have Mara Jade, of course. Um, right. And so um, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I feel like at some point they'll find a way to reintroduce Mara Jade. But I would, as a person who does tie-in books, I would never want to touch it. It's like touching the third rail. That's not my story to tell. And that was, you know, it, it's just, I, I play on a different field than those kind of things. Okay. So so in the, on that line, then, thinking about it, how how daunting is it when you first start one of these? Well, it's, it's pretty daunting in the sense that um, you don't know exactly what everybody's going to go for. But at the same time, when, when I first started, that I'm, I'm just putting uh, out a, an outline. You know, I'm like, I think right. the first step is like coming up with a concept. Like for the Smuggler's Guide, it was like, hey, we're going to come up with a concept. And it's it's like, what if uh, it was a book that was passed along, yeah, you know, because in the Rebel files, we did the scrapbook thing. So this one, it's not a scrapbook, but what if it was passed along from owner to owner? Um, so it's a diary 
but there's like, you know, two dozen different owners or people writing in the diary. Uh, and then that was kind of approved. And then I, I had to do a version where it was like, okay, well, here's the two dozen people that I think would do it. Uh, and and here's where they go. So we'll start with Mass Kanata and we'll go through the prequels. Um, you know, here's what that looks like. We'll go through the, the classic trilogy. We'll go through the, the sequel films. Um, and then that gets a, a blessing. And then, you know, the hardest part then at that point is actually uh, fleshing it out. Um, I would say usually at that point, there's not that many, there's not that many back and forths where then they'll come back and say, oh, wait, we changed our minds. You know, we're going to take this one out. Um, it's the contents are usually pretty set. Um, and I just have to f- come up with the, the filling material, um, which takes a long time just because it's a lot of words and, and so on. But um, the, uh, the, you know, the, the concept has already kind of been, been set, you know, like if I, I got approval on Dr. Afra, um, you know, for that particular section and I kind of have a book map and I'm like, well, Dr. Afra will probably take up, you know, two pages or whatever. Um, then I know, you know, what we got to come up with um and images you know i'm also trying to come up with you know and, and once i finish it an artist will come through and, and do images uh and then i'll have to give suggestions for where those might fit and then finally um with all of these books we've always i, I mentioned this at the beginning of the of the session but um the concept of the jedi path was that it was a used textbook like you'd buy at the university bookstore so it had comments in it and the, but the comments in it that were written in and ink were from people like Obi-Wan Kenobi when Obi-Wan was really young. And so that was kind of fun. Everybody liked it. We've always, every single one of those books that I mentioned earlier has had that idea. There's marginal comments. And so for every single one of these, including the Smuggler's Guide, once I'm, I'm done, I have to go back and do, um, I was going to say a second book, but it's not, it's not a second book. But I do a whole second pass on each uh, and every page and come up with the comments. And that's usually the very 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 last thing that gets laid down right it's i I do i love the way that that you handle each of these books differently and uh i think this one the smuggler's guide was a really great idea yeah, I, I think we were saying before show, um, this is definitely, you know, because of this book, I know we've all looked at the other books in the bookstore, but it's now something we want to own on our shelves. That's great. And I really appreciate it. And I, and I, and I feel like um, I feel like I resonate with this one really well. Um, previously, because like I said, I, I go to these um, you know conventions and I, I sell books sometimes. And a lot of times like I was saying it's kind of Harry Potter, you know, uh, What's the sorting hat going to sort you into? And people kind of like, oh, I'm a Jedi, you know, or I'm a Sith. And, and, um, and previously, um, before I wrote these last two, um, the one that I always gravitated toward was the Bounty Hunter's Guide because I kind of like, because I'm a freelance writer. <laughs> it's very right. much like Bounty Hunters. It's like going out and trying to find somebody who will pay you money to do a certain task. And and it's a little bit like, you know, you're kind of on your own uh, and you have to just kind of figure stuff out. Um, and so I, that was always the one that I kind of uh, resonate, resonated with me personally the most. But now, 
that I did the smuggler's guide, I'm like, well, that's probably a little bit even more accurate than the bounty hunters code because the bounty hunters, uh, the way that we wrote it in the book was that you're still there. There's still something called the bounty hunters guild, uh, which is an old established part of Star Wars lore. And Boba Fett isn't doesn't care for the bounty hunters guild, but there is a bounty hunters guild, and and it, it has rules and regulations, and you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that. Uh, so you're not completely on, on your own. But the smuggler's guide, these are the people who have nobody. Uh, these are the people who are just figuring it out on their own, at their own pace. They have no idea what they're doing. They don't know where the next meal is coming from. Uh, and they just are praying that it's all going to work out in the end. And I'm like, that, you know, God bless these guys, you know. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I there really is something about the smugglers and the fact that Star Wars isn't, everybody's like, oh, it's Jedi and Sith or Empire versus Rebels. And it's like, yeah, but there's all these other people too. Like there's so many factions in, in Star Wars. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why it's popular is because um, you can kind of see yourself in that universe. And, and maybe not, may, maybe a lot of uh, universes kind of make the mistake of having like a good guys and bad guys. And, you know, you could be either like the good guys or maybe you maybe you like the bad guys. But it's like, right. eh, man, that's probably, you know, 60% of the population. But the other 40 is probably looking for something in between. Uh, and Star Wars for, you know, they, 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 George Lucas kind of nailed it <laughs> in the first go. You know, it was like, oh, mm. OK, yeah, you can be this guy. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things I've always loved about Star Wars is there's so many. So I always love like the stories that take place outside of the main saga. Yeah, and I think that's true too. Um, uh, uh, that there are a lot of, of things happening outside of the main saga that could be very important for the people who are involved in those adventures, but uh, you know they don't have much bearing on the galaxy at large. Um, probably the the you know the uh, the most recent film uh, Solo would probably be an example of that. It's kind of like a heist film and and so on. Um, and I know it kind of sets upon solo and he's very important but um for the most part it kind of sheds a light on what else is going on um and, and and i was just reading today earlier i was reading about um that new television show the mandalorian uh that john favreau is producing and, and supposedly they're having a conference at the time we're taping this you know i think they're gonna release the trailer or something like that so yeah um but the description that i read about that is that it, it's very much a a bounty hunter slash smuggler's guide kind of milieu you know this is exactly what i was talking about earlier this 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 show is going to take place in that um you know that that type of of universe it, it's less about are you a good guy or a bad guy it, it, it's a little bit more about are you going to pay me the money that you owe me <laughs> now i'm going to shoot you with this blaster um and uh and that's fine like star wars can have both of those things at the same time and that's what makes it so much fun now since we're talking a little bit about um Han Solo and the Smuggler. Your take on the whole Greedo shooting to Han shot first or Han only shot. Um, after <laughs> after all of this, what and, yeah. and doing they, the research they, for the they, book, they, how do you feel about Han? I, mean, I, uh, I they shouldn't have changed the original. I mean, I really do. I do a lot of defending of George Lucas because um, I, I really think he's really a unique filmmaker, and and I will defend the prequels to the day I die. I think they're fascinating films. I, I think they're flawed, but I think they're fat. I love I love them. Um, but I I think that George Lucas's sort of revisionism on the the original trilogy with like 
you know, replacing like certain shots and so on. It's like, eh, no, I don't like that. Like, I, I do think a, a film when it's released to the public, you're sort of seeing it almost as a time capsule. Um, and so I'm, I'm generally opposed to those uh, aesthetic decisions, even if they're great. You know, like I think the, you know, some of the new shots of the X wings and so on are, are great. But um, I would rather see the original models that were made by ILM. You know, back in the late seventies. You know, just because right. that's literally that's literally how the craft was done. You know, I, I feel like movies should be sort of a celebration of craft. Uh, I was talking earlier about like Galaxy's Edge. You know, that was that's great craft. You know, uh, that new Dark Crystal series is great craft. I wouldn't want them to re-release the Dark Crystal series. You know, thirty years from now and replace all the puppets with CGI. I'd be like, well, that's not the point. You know, it was a puppet show. Um, and so I, I feel like that was a thing with with some of the special edition stuff that. I'm not crazy about um, even if I like some of the changes I, I look at them I'm like you know some of those like that sand crawler coming over the dunes I'm like oh that looks great I'm like I, I, I forgot I'm supposed to be you know philosophically opposed to these changes um, <laughs> but um, the one thing that I really I, I you know the Greta shoots first thing or Han shoots first thing is, is uh, it's a terrible example because obviously in the original movie Han was shooting him through the stomach under the table Obviously, obviously, he wasn't waiting for. He was stalling, and and he was picking at the wall because he was surreptitiously unbuckling his gun holster. That's literally what the shots right. show us, and pulling it out and shooting him before he knew what he was doing. He didn't raise his gun; he had it below the table. That's the whole point. It's a western. It's an old western kind of move. Um, and I have no idea what made uh, Lucas want to change it, but it's it's staging and shot selection it's obvious what's going on in the original cut uh, of the shot so to to change it that he's he's shooting in self-defense is it's it's visually baffling because it does not follow at all from the way that the shots are set up and i think george knows that but he, for whatever reason it's like when steven spielberg decided to change the guns in et with uh walkie talkies and then he changed his mind and he reverted it but there's i don't know he's just there's the temporary madness where he's just like oh Oh, hey, I'm going to do this one thing. And it's like, no, that's a terrible idea. Um, anyway. Okay. Yeah. Uh, supposedly the story coming from Lucas was they did the change because of, um, since Han becomes a good guy later, they didn't want him shooting in cold blood. Yeah. I, I, but, but I feel like if you asked George in 1977, he would not have said that. And I'm not trying to be like snarky or something like that. I really honestly feel like if you look at the original film, you look at the shot selection, it's obvious that he's shooting Greedo because he's sly. He's a sly right. bastard. You know, he, he's sneakily, he's like he's like being lazy, like, oh, hey, da, 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 and he's kind of like picking. And then, and then his, his left hand is picking at the wall to distract Greedo, and his right hand is unbuckling the thing and slowly sliding out the gun. And, and George Lucas knows, 1977, George Lucas knows that this is um, setting up his, his, uh, his ruthlessness right uh, the fact that he's he's uh you know he'll do anything to to survive that he runs with a bad crowd um you know that he okay. has a price on his on his head and that sets up his motivation for later on in the film uh, the whole Greedo scene is is important because this guy is going to kill him and Han's doing willing to do anything to get out of it like he, he you know he's not he's not a noble person who's going to like well I'm only going to shoot you if you shoot first he, he's going to be like if I don't if I'm going to pull out every stop and do every trick that I can 
I'm dead. You right. know, I have to, I have to trick him somehow. And then, and then the audience knows that like Hans is sneaky MFer. And then when they're on the Death Star and he's like, well, I'm not going to Francis. You're like, yeah, he, they, that guy probably wouldn't. And then at the end of the, the thing, um, when he gets the reward and he's heading off, you're like, uh, I knew it. What a jerk. <laughs> like he's that kind of guy. Like he's, he's just going to do what he can to survive. And we already saw how much danger he was in when Greedo showed up and he had to do this trick to get out of it be, because you know otherwise he was going to be dead so like right. he's a jerk I wish he would stick around but you know they they uh, you know George has done a very good job uh, visually and, and and from a script standpoint of establishing why Han has to leave and then when he shows up it's amazing and you're like yay he's a you know what um, so anyway I, I completely disagree with that take on it and um, the only reason I, I, I feel confident in disagreeing with George Lucas who I admire more than anything is because I'm pretty confident if you went back in time and you built a time machine, yes, the same question to 1977 George Lucas, he would not give that answer. I don't know what happened right. in the intervening time, but the 1977 original edition of A New Hope does not support any of those things visually, uh, shot selection, the way it's edited, uh, you know, any of that. Um, the Han has a very clear, very compelling uh, arc in that film and it, and it's sort of predicated on him being a jerk at the beginning and you're, you're supposed to almost be like oh he's he's dangerous uh, yeah. and, and well, I he, think that I think the new shot does not sell that he falls into becoming a hero I mean this was just another was another mission another run you know, that he's getting paid for yeah yeah exactly and, and and the only reason he's doing it is because Greedo showed up and then the only reason why he bugs off at the end is because well hey I got my money so um, bye yeah. uh, and you're like wow what a jerk you know he I thought he was friends with with you know Luke and I thought he you know he was making connections or whatever but oh well like it's believable that they set it up that that he would do that uh, and then when he comes back at the very end you know it's such a great moment too like it's, it's seriously one of my favorite moments I'm a big fan of um, the original film uh, it might be my favorite Star Wars movie because it's it's just so simple um, and if you look at it as just one film which is what it was intended to be like imagine there was just that film and it was just this right. weird cult, cult classic from 1977 and you just watched it one day you'd be like oh that was really charming and so on but like just little bits like that like it, it's not it's not you know it's not innovative to have you know Han be sort of the you know the 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 scoundrel or whatever and then he comes back at the end but the way they pace it and the way they sell it is so fun you like you can't help but like pump your fist you're like oh my god he did it you know yep. it's, it's it, and yep. the, I think that John Williams music is really instrumental in that and the visual effects are really instrumental in that and um, anyway that's, that's this whole reason why I have that uh, I, I'm kind of anti-special edition because um, I like old films I, and and when I, I see a film from like 1940 um, I kind of want to see what audiences like I want to it's like a time machine like I want to go back to 1940. I want to see what the people who paid a ticket and, you know, sat down and, and watched a movie and I, what did they see? And if it's like, well, every movie, every quote-unquote old movie has been updated with, like, new effects and, and stuff, it's like, uh, <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about, you know? There's... And, uh, you know, I guess there's not that many of them, but the whole uh, Lucas did the special editions and, the, and then for a while, like, maybe it was the 90s, there was this whole colorization thing where they would take a black and white 
movies and they would artificially color them. Uh, uh, and that's yeah. kind of the same thing where I'm just like, oh, stop. Um, and I guess maybe uh, to extend the metaphor, ugh, I don't know if I want to get into this, but I guess I feel like maybe the all the remakes are kind of the same thing. So like, it's like mm. the Lion King. Yeah, but which Lion? You know, it's like, right. we already right. had this great Lion King, you know, like do we need, you know, um, I don't know, maybe that's different because it's a different movie, you know, entirely. But um, I, I, I do feel like there, we should, um, we should look backwards to, to history to kind of appreciate the, the craftsmanship of people who uh, created stuff as opposed to sort of like um, either rebooting it and saying, well, that one's old. Let's do a new version of it. Or uh, in the case of special editions, you take the old thing and you're like, oh, we'll put a coat of paint on it and stuff like, I don't know, you know, and there's some value in like interacting with uh, with media in the way that um, a previous generation might have uh, experienced it. You don't have to like it, but, you know, I think there's something to something valuable in, in interacting with it in that form as opposed to a changed or altered form. I agree with you. Uh, there, there's a lot in the special edition that I didn't think was necessary. Um, there's some that I didn't mind. I had no problems with. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, so. but like the, the Battle of the Death Star, Death Star 1, it was the ragtag fleet that made the rebels the underdog, not a huge armada that like, OK, yeah, this is now possible. A little more believable. Yeah, yeah I, I uh, there are definitely things in the in the in the in the special editions that I like. And there are things that I hate. I, I, I hate the, the screams as they fall down the shaft. Uh, I hate both of those. Uh, and, and I don't like the Greedo thing. Um, but um, and I don't like Darth Vader uh, walking across the thing like as he's getting onto his shuttle in The Empire Strikes Back and then he flies up to the ship and then he lands the ship and then he gets off the shuttle and it's like oh we don't need any of that. Anyway um, uh, the it kind of destroys pacing too because there's music happening there and then they interrupt the music for to show him getting off his shuttle. It's like I just assumed he got on the shuttle. I don't need to see him getting off of his shuttle this is a crazy addition um anyway uh but to, to your point um uh there are definitely things i like about the special editions um i actually and i know this sounds like heresy but i actually kind of like the new uh ending uh with the john williams lion king music as opposed to the i like yub nub but i, I do kind of like the new one like a whatever that is um i kind of like it and i know uh, you know a lot of people disagree on that but i kind of like it um and there's other things i like I, I like a lot of shots i think cloud city looks really nice yeah but yeah. It, but but i but i think that even though i like it um and this is maybe it's just me but i would still rather watch a crappier uglier version of the same movie that is authentically what it looked like when it was released like i don't know have you ever seen like the original king kong you know, like the 1933 yep. king kong it was it's stop motion animation made by uh Willis O'Brien and it's amazing stuff like especially for 1933 like and if you look at it now you're like uh, like you know oh we could do so much better 
with CGI or whatever. And it's like, well, no shit. But like, this was, you know, this was, this is really amazing for the time. And, um, and so when you watch that and you, and the two things, you have to watch the original 1933 King Kong and you have to understand what movie making was like in that era. And if you can do both of those things and you're like, oh my God, this is really cool. Uh, and if you don't understand the second bit, then you're going to be like, oh, it looks fake. It's like, oh, come on, no duh. Um, but it, for the for the time, it's really amazing. And um, and uh, and imagine if the only version of uh, of King Kong, the original King Kong, that was available was a cleaned up version where the studio in you know 1999 they decided to do a CGI version. They took the original black and white version instead of any of the stop motion by Willis O'Brien. They replaced it with CGI King Kong and CGI Pterodactyl and CGI T-Rex and CGI Stegosaurus. Um, and then you watch it, you're like, wow, those were really good effects for the time. It'd be like, no, you you don't understand. This was supposed to be a time capsule and it's been spoiled. Yeah. Um, and anyway, that's my that's my position on the, on the special editions. I, I feel like movies are time capsules into another era, into another um, movie making. So you understand um, the director and the special effects people and whoever lived there and you understand the audiences like uh, you know if you read reviews or whatever you know what they saw uh, and the further and further we move away from that by um, releasing special editions or by just remaking movies uh, even by remaking movies like The Lion King we kind of we move one half step away from the inspiration and it just makes it harder for people to yeah there'll be some point very soon when, when people are like oh The Lion King like oh you know I've never seen the the cartoon version you know um and that that'll be a shame because it's great you know what i mean totally totally understand so uh derek eric or derek again any other questions <laughs> um i had just a real quick one um you mentioned how um some of the characters are originals uh, and a lot of the characters in the book are um ones we all know were there any that um that you can tell us about that maybe the the story group said uh, no stay away from this character possibly because you mentioned there was a couple they wanted to switch up could you uh... yeah there was um i didn't get very far down this this road but there was a point during development when um, uh, we had talked about including characters um, who were... God, I can't remember what this was called. There was a video game that was under development, and it's not 1313. It was a different video game. It was uh, made by the 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 woman who made uh, um, the the Drake, uh, you know, the the those adventure games. Um, hmm. You know what I mean? Um, uh, oh God, I can't remember the name. Uh, but there was a development uh, project at LucasArts uh, to to make a, a game, and the game was going to be a scoundrel sort of game, and and uh, there was a character um, who was a scoundrel uh, called Dodger, you know, kind of like Arful Dodger from like Dickens. Uh, and uh, and he had like a crew working under him. And while we were working out the outline, uh, the story group suggested like we might not, because I think at that point they weren't making the game. Like they had pulled the plug on that game. Um, but uh 
they had suggested, like, maybe you could still use them in some capacity. So I actually had included them, uh, not extensively because I didn't have a lot of material to work from, but I had sort of included, um, you know, that whole storyline, uh, uh, the storyline, but the characters at least, uh, in a little bit. And then at some point, we were, they were just like, you know what, we're, we're, we're not even sure we want to do that. And not because they don't want to support that or that it might not show up somewhere else, but a lot of times if that happens, you know, maybe they just change their mind, but maybe they have some other project in the works, like those characters might still show up in some other capacity. Um, a lot of times, you know, yeah, I might not be privy to those conversations, and I usually don't ask. I'm just like, okay, you know, I, I'll just work around it, but that was a good example of that. But, um, God, what are the names of those games? Those those adventure games? You're talking what about you the Uncharted doing? games? Yes! Okay. <laughs> the Uncharted games, yes, the developer of the Uncharted games. Uh, the, yes, thank you. Um, she was working on a Lucasfilm game for years uh, and I don't know what it was called because I don't might not have had a name but it was um, it wasn't 1313 which is the other thing that everybody always thinks about the bounty hunter game it was um, it was this other game where you had like a smuggler character and, and he had a crew and I think it was like an open world kind of adventure game like Uncharted um, and then a couple of years ago they they, they stopped development of it but um, you know the story I, I feel like Lucasfilm story group doesn't want to let good ideas go to waste so to their credit they were the ones who suggested maybe we can uh, we you know we can still boost these characters and they gave me some material uh, for Dodger and these other characters um, and it wasn't a, a, a lot. It was only a couple of pages, but um, then they changed their mind. Um, so hopefully, you know, knock on wood, I, I hope that, um, you know, it's the kind of game that I, I would like to play, you know, those sort of like open-ended games where uh, it's a little bit more about exploration. Uh, that's kind of my ideal Star Wars game, in my opinion. If you did like a Breath of the Wild or something, but it was Star Wars on multiple planets, uh, sign me up. <laughs> Derek, you got anything else? Uh uh, no, I think all my questions have been answered. What is the next potential guide that you want to do? Well, the trick with the guides is I've done so many of them now. I've done like, you know, six of them. And the, the uh, you know, the, the catch is, well, then you cover all the factions already. And in, in some ways, eh, maybe a little bit, you know, um, we kicked around. One of the ideas that we never really, we pulled off was sort of a, a pilot's guide. You know, like there's, there's, there's sort of a tradition in Star Wars of, of you know, the pilot in the Academy and, and you know, the, the X-Wing fighters and Poe Dameron and, and Wedge uh, and these guys. Um, I'm not working on that, but that was something that we always kicked around. Uh, and then I think we, I feel like we kind of talked about this earlier, but um, there's probably some room to kind of revisit some of these. Um, you know, back in the day when I did like the, you know, the Essential Guide to Droids, uh, and then a few years later I did like the new Essential Guide to Droids because we had, we had new materials. So, um, yeah, again, I'm not working on this right now, but I, I do think that there is potentially some room to kind of revisit these projects. Um, some of the ones that already came out, especially the older ones like the Jedi Path, uh, which is still like one of the most popular ones. They, we're still selling copies of that one, uh, you know, in nine years after it came out. 
um, with uh, the you know the understanding that the the backstory of the universe has changed a little bit. Right. Okay. I was going to say Cantina Bartender's Guide. Uh, now you're talking. I, I would love to do those kind of things. Even with a Smuggler's Guide, like there's a little bit in here about uh, some Cantina stuff because there's so many topics in the Smuggler's Guide I want to cover because it wasn't just smuggling. It was like con artists and it was gambling and it was uh, you know uh, 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 people who you know are, are bounty hunter like uh, skip tracers and and um, there's so many things in here that I want to cover and one of them was uh, was kind of that uh, you know uh, smugglers kind of seek out watering holes where others of their type hang out and that's where you go if you want to get hired uh, with a Moss Eisley Cantina being a, an example of that and so um, yeah I think I think I was able to sort of sneak in some like uh, drink recipes <laughs> into this yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, how about something along the lines of Cassian Andor and, uh, of course, V that's in um, Black Spire Outpost, the, the Rebel Spies. Yeah, yeah. That's, they cover that's the Bothans. And... Like, sort of a commandos kind of thing that's a little bit more, um, you know, specialized than that. That that would make some sense. Um, and, uh, and there's potentially another faction that when we did the Bounty Hunter's Guide, we, we ended up doing like, a, you know, a Bounty Hunter's Guide that was, you know, more of a manual or like, hey, you want to wanna be a successful Bounty Hunter? Here's what you need to do. And then we sort of snuck in a little Mandalorian uh, section at the end uh that was about the history of the mandalorians and uh jason fry uh collaborated with him on that and he ended up writing that um but um with the new show coming out um i feel like maybe we probably wouldn't revisit the smugglers guide so early but it seems like the kind of show that might and even even the new uh the the animated series star wars rebels had had tons of mandalorian stuff in it so um that might be something that you could almost expand Um, um, so I'm just, just turning it over in my head right now, so we'll see. So just a just a focus on the Mandalorians. I almost feel like you could like it's almost uh, rich enough as as a faction like um, Mandalorian you have, code. You have the rebels and you have the Empire, and it's like oh okay, every, everybody knows that. But if you go to like uh, Comic Con or something like that, like you've there's a whole faction of Mandalorians, and they yep. they have all the custom armor, and and it's almost like I almost feel like you'd almost support that now. And we kind of like um, when we did the bounty hunt code a few years ago you know we kind of put the Mandalorians in uh, into that project but we we treated it like as an addendum almost and I, and I feel like maybe there's enough material now especially if the new show is a big hit uh, where that could become a standalone that'd be cool yeah definitely maybe you could do something on like Wookiees or something <laughs> yeah, maybe. There's a, yeah, that that we're almost like we're if we started getting to um, topic specific, we're, it's it's like uh, the essential guides all over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something for the Jawas. <laughs> so, well, we thank you for coming on and joining us this week. Um, no, I appreciate it. It was a great conversation, and 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 you know, thanks for asking me such great questions. And it's always great to you know really expound on these things. I appreciate it. Well, you got three smugglers here that definitely. Well, I'm not going to speak for the two of them. I definitely give it a big thumbs up. I, I love this book. Uh, I I definitely put it up there with my Galaxy Phrase book that I got years uh, last year. 
is that the uh, is that the Galaxy? For, is that the Ben Burt? Yes, wrote the Galaxy. For, that's a great book, isn't it? It's, it's an a, awesome it's a fun book. book. Yeah, and and it's written by a guy who's like really on the inside at Lucasfilm. You know, he, yep. he created all this stuff, so it has this like extra air of authenticity. I, I co-sign that. If if anybody's listening has not heard of the Galactic Phrase Book uh, by Ben Burt, uh, it's it's two thumbs up. See, I I did not know you were part of that book as well. So that's another I, book. I, I, I did not. I, I did not work on it. I just love it. I think it's great. Ah, well, I will say a book my daughter has that I think is a brilliant book is Sabine's uh, scrapbook. Oh yeah, thank you. Or sketchbook. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's yeah. a fun little book as well. Um, yeah, thank you. And that's one of yeah, her favorite was, characters. Yeah, that was kind of similar in, in that it's a different series, but the idea with that was kind of similar in the sense that uh, what if Sabine had her own journal and she was sort of writing in it. So it was kind of the same idea of like what if existed in universe. Um, so I appreciate that she liked it um, and it was really fun to write. And then uh, give credit to um, Annie Stoll, who was the author, I mean, sorry, the illustrator of that. So I, I came up with the, the, the words and so on, but because in the show, Sabine is an artist. So, right. um, you know, she expresses herself much more through artwork than she does through words. Uh, and so um, Annie really came in and and, uh, and sold that part of it. And, you know, it wouldn't be nearly uh, the book that it is if she hadn't done that. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's a brilliant book. It's, uh, I, I was surprised when, when she did pick it up. Uh, well, I wasn't surprised because it's one of her favorite characters. Uh, but looking through it myself, I'm like, okay, this is pretty in-depth. For someone who's a Sabine fan, this gives a lot of insight to the character that she definitely loves. Good. So... Um, where can people find you online? Uh, you, you can find me online. I mean, you can look me up online. I, I, I you know, I have a presence on, on Twitter and so on, um, but I, I don't check it that much. Um, I'm trying to, you know, um, decouple myself from a lot of social media. But if you send, if you follow me on there and you send me a note, I'll get back to you. Um, the, uh, the next things I have coming up, I, I mentioned earlier, I have the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, um, the making of book that'll be coming out in a couple of months. Um, uh, and I also did another um, non-Star Wars book uh, that is uh, about the uh, animated series Ruby uh, by Rooster Teeth. Uh, and okay. that'll be coming out in October. Um, so both of those will be coming out before the end of the year. Uh, and I have a couple other Star Wars projects in the works that will be coming out soon. Uh, but TBD on the timing. Okay. Uh, Derek, and anything else? I think we covered a lot of it. That's it. Had a great conversation. Then, on, then on that note, give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jets, I can hold it. Pull up. No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Ready for light speed? One, two, 